So glad to welcome you into our living room today. And uh, as I try to say on a weekly basis, and I say it each week because I really do mean it, uh, I'm so grateful, I feel very privileged and honored that you have invited us into your homes as well. If you happen to be watching for the very first time, I'm so glad you've joined us. And uh, if you're kind of a regular at these online services, welcome back. But to all of you, we're so glad that you're here. And to all the moms who are watching today, uh, happy Mother's Day to each of you, to all of you. And uh, we pray that it's, uh, it's gonna be a good day for you. Uh, certainly it's gonna be a different kind of Mother's Day, recognize that. Uh, it's gonna be affected in some way, large or small, by the worldwide uh, coronavirus pandemic, of course. And so maybe you're not gonna be able to take that trip to your favorite restaurant and celebrate with your family. Uh, maybe you uh, typically have all your kids into your home and that won't be able to occur, maybe. Uh, or perhaps you take a trip to visit your mom and you're not gonna be able to do that this year. Uh, I know in our own family, uh, Amy and I have a Zoom meeting scheduled with all of our kids, our daughters-in-law, our grandsons. And so we're really looking forward to that later on tonight. And so if you can't connect in person uh, with your kids, with your mom, uh, I hope that maybe something like that's on your schedule as well. Uh, certainly, of course, like I alluded to, Mother's Day, it's a, it's a day to celebrate, it's a day to honor moms, it's a day that's, that's, that's fun and, and, and joyful, but it's also, um, it can be painful. Uh, there can be, instead of, uh, of joy and celebration, there can instead be some sadness and some pain attached to it. There are those of you who, just like me, have uh, lost your mother to death. There are mothers who have had, uh, had a child or maybe even children precede them in death. There are those who have a, a difficult or an unhealthy relationship with their mom. And of course, there are moms who have a strained relationship with one or more of your kids. Um, maybe you're watching your kids make some, some seriously destructive, uh, significant, significantly negative life choices, and, and uh, that's hard to watch. Maybe you're a mom who loves Jesus and you have a child or, or some kids that, that uh, aren't walking with him. And that's, again, difficult to, to experience. Maybe you want to be a mom. You'd love to be a mom. And it just hasn't worked out yet. Maybe you're a, you are a kid or had, have been one who grew up without a mom in your life. And that, of course, can be very painful. And so... Again, we certainly want to, want to celebrate moms, and it's right and fitting for us to do that, even at the same time, while we acknowledge uh, the pain that, can, that Mother's Day can bring. And, and our hearts go out to those of you who have some of that, some of that sadness, some of that less than positive uh, feelings as you experience Mother's Day. But since it is Mother's Day, uh, what I thought we could do is uh, actually look to the person of God and see how the Bible actually describes him using maternal metaphors. And so, so what I'd like to do is, is share some reminders to you of, with you of, of, of God's nature, his attributes, his character, one specifically that we see exhibited on display in the maternal role. As such, uh, I, I think one thing that we can do then is just like celebrate all that is, is good and godly about moms and motherhood. We also want to invite those of you who are moms to, to see those divine traits and attributes as, as a calling on your life, yes, for you to live into as a mother, 
but also that as you are being a mom, that you are putting God's, that you'd be reminded that you're putting God's character and his, and his attributes on display for all of the rest of us. So just before we jump into that, uh, I'd like to pray with you. So if you'd bow your heads, that'd be great. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather. Thank you for the technology that makes it possible. And as we gather around your word, Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would open our minds, open our ears, open our hearts, open our very wills to you, and that we might be shaped, that we might be shifted, that we might be uh, realigned more in, into a person that, uh, the kind of person that you want us to be. So God, we don't want to just gain information today. We want to experience life change. And we know that you alone can do that. And so we look to you. I, I also, Lord, just want to pray specifically for anyone who, um, for them, the experience of Mother's Day is, is not a positive one. And so whatever they might be experiencing, God, whether they're experiencing um, some regret, uh, some anger, some disappointment, some loss, I pray that you would just meet them in that place and that you would bring encouragement from yourself to them. Lift them up, Lord. Be the lifter of their spirit, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you know, it might not be um, the natural inclination for some of you when you think about God to think about mothers. Uh, to be sure, uh, Jesus, in his human nature, he was male. And it's also true that that God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are each consistently referred to in the Bible with the male personal pronoun, he. And so as such, it's, it's reasonable, it's right. There's nothing wrong with referring to God as he. And he absolutely delights in revealing himself to us by way of a number of male metaphors, such as a father or husband. But when we think about God, let's remember that John chapter 4 reminds us that God is spirit. And as such, God is spirit has nothing to do with gender, right? It's not an emphasis on his gender. It's an emphasis on his, his nature, his base identity, his character of being a, of being a spiritual being. And so when we think about God and, we, and when we call him father, the emphasis there is not on his maleness as, as a father, but rather that we mean that he, he relates to us like a human father relates to his children. And so God provides for us, he protects us, he leads us, and he disciplines us at times even, just like the best human fathers do, only of course he does it much better than the best. We learn that in, in Matthew chapter 6 about God, and the book of James, and Hebrews chapter 12. And likewise, when the Bible speaks of God as a husband, again, it's not, it's not trying to, to emphasize the maleness of that, but instead that that God jealously guards his relationship with his people like a good husband loves and protects his wife. And of course, that's the story, as some of you know, of the book of Hosea. But consider this. It's only when both man and woman are created in Genesis chapter 1 that God, I would suggest to you, is fully imaged. Genesis 1.27 says it very clearly. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
In fact, the first time we see God declaring something to be quote unquote not good is when Adam finds himself alone in the Garden of Eden. Addressing that in Genesis 2.18, God says, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So what does all of this imply about the attributes of God? Just, just suggesting to you this, God has attributes that we typically classify or characterize as feminine attributes, just in the same way that God has attributes that we oftentimes classify or characterize as more masculine attributes. Maybe a better way to say it is this, God has attributes which both men and women image uniquely in the, as image bearers of their creator. So with all of this in mind, let's, let's look at that uh, list of, of just a few of his divine traits. Certainly this isn't going to be some comprehensive, comprehensive, exhaustive look at all of the attributes of God, but I'd like to share with you just four or five divine traits that the Bible, and, and those divine traits that the Bible uses images of, of moms and motherhood to illustrate them for us, okay? The first one is this, our God is a life-giving God. He is a birthing God. Deuteronomy 32 verse 18 refers to him as the God who gave you birth. Now, I understand the reproductive cycle for human beings. I know that, that Rex Riddle, my dad, and Pat Riddle, my mom, both had something to do with the fact that Dave Riddle was here, as well as all of my siblings. But I also completely and totally understand that it was Pat Riddle who went into that delivery room at the Riverside Methodist Hospital on September 19, 1966 in Columbus, Ohio, and delivered Dave Riddle, gave birth to me. She was my life giver, right? In fact, again, fully recognizing the contribution that my dad had into that, it was my mom who gave me birth. That, that verse that I shared with you from Deuteronomy 32 uses a, a, a cool little parallelism there. In the, in the phrase right before where the one I shared with you, God is referred to as the rock who fathered you, followed up by what the phrase I shared with you, the God who gave you birth. The rock who fathered you, the God who gave you birth. Uh, using the image of both father and mother as that full representation of God. In, in him being the life-giving God, the birthing God. In fact, one of the, one of the most um, fond memories I have of my own mom is that uh, she oftentimes, more than one occasion, she told me my birth story. Um, there were some complications around my birth. There were some times that it, it didn't look uh, good. There was some danger in, uh, around, surrounding my birth. And uh, the doctor shared those things with, with my mom, uh, especially after I was born. And um, my mom would share them with such, was in such detail with me, as well as um, with such tenderness and love. And, and she always just in telling me that story, wanted me to understand how much how, uh, she loved me, how glad she was that it ended up being a success, successful birth and that I uh, was, she just was so glad that I was her son. She was the one who gave me birth. God is the one who gives us birth. In fact, in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says, referring to God, that he, he formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils 
the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We have God to thank. He is the one who births us. We have life. We are alive today because it was God's idea to give us life in the same way that our mothers birthed us. So that's a reflection of the fact that ultimately it is God who gives us life. And not only physical life, our physical existence, but spiritual life. Jesus says in John 10, I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Jesus comes to give us new life. He comes to give us abundant life. He comes to give us the promise of one day eternal life. And so when he was having a discussion about, uh, about eternal life with a man by the name of Nicodemus and earlier in the book of John, in John chapter 3, he told Nicodemus that, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That idea of being born again, born, having new birth again, certainly the birthing metaphor is one that we see uh, that, that God uses and, and uses mothers to represent that in the character of himself as one who gives life to us. Connected to the, to the whole birthing story, uh, the scripture also uses the illustration of, of a midwife. In Psalm 71, uh, the psalmist says this, I have leaned on you from birth. You took me from my mother's womb. My praise is always about you. Now, most scholars tell us that there in Psalm 71, as well as in Psalm 22 and in Isaiah 66, that the writers are using the image of, of, a, of a midwife to represent, again, this, uh, this role that God is playing in the birthing process. And you can see that here when, when uh, the psalmist writes, again, I've leaned on you from birth. You took me from my mother's womb. So just as the midwife was there at the time of, the, of, his, of his literal birth, so he is, is crediting God with exhibiting that in his own life and bringing about his successful life, his successful birth. Our God is a life-giving God. Secondly, our God is a loving and providing God, a loving and providing God. In, in Isaiah chapter 49, the context of that is Isaiah is writing about um, the restoration of the nation of Israel. And um, at, to some degree, Israel isn't quite uh, maybe buying it at the level they need to. And in fact, they say about God in verse 14, the Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. And God's response in the very next verse is, never, never. Can a, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, God says, I would not forget you. Can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? Well, we recognize that for the vast majority, that answer is no. Mothers don't forget their nursing children. Mothers don't feel zero love for the children that they give birth to. And when there is an instance where somehow they do forget, where they don't display love, then we all recognize that as a break from all that is right about being a mom. We experienced a very tragic break in the Metro Detroit community this week when we learned of the, of the death of a young man named 
uh, Zion, a three-year-old. Now, there's trial to come and everything. All of that will, will come. But it appears that, that Zion's own mother took his life, a three-year-old. Seemingly, from what's being reported, she, the mother uh, perhaps struggled with some mental health issues. And again, when we hear stories like the one of Zion's death or others, we all recognize that that's just, that's not right. Can a mother forget her nursing child? The answer, predominant answer to that is, well, no. Can she feel no love for the child she's born? No. And God says, well, it, it, even if that were possible, and it's not likely that that happens. It doesn't happen. You, it's not the norm. But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. God, like a good mother, never forgets us, never disconnects. God is always there. He is always present. God, to his children, is, is, uh, has the same level of commitment that a mother has to those children that she births. In fact, when, when Moses was transferring his leadership of Israel, to a man by the name of Joshua. This was uh, shortly before Israel were, was going to emerge from the wilderness and uh, settle the land that they'd been uh, specifically promised and given. Uh, just before all that was to occur, he first reminded uh, the entire community of Israel and then Joshua, his, his successor specifically, of God's perpetual presence with them was something very important that he wanted to drill into their minds. He said in verse 6 and 8 of Deuteronomy 31, first to Israel, next to Joshua specifically, the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus, some of his last words to his first followers, is actually is the, the final verse of, of the final chapter of the book of Matthew. They were also reassurance of that same perpetual presence which I believe is rooted in his deep love for them and his commitment to always provide for them. He said there in Matthew 28, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Our God is a life-giving God and he is a God who is a loving and providing always there for us, God. To his children, he is always there. Third, our God is a gentle and comforting God. Isaiah 66, verse 13 says this, God speaking, I will comfort you like a mother comforting her child. I will comfort you like a mother comforting her child. Now, do dads do that too? Absolutely, they should, right? Um, there were times when I comforted my own children. I experienced comfort from my father as well. Hopefully, if you're a dad, you're comforting, you, you, you take time to comfort your kids. And if you, and, and those of you who are watching, experience comfort from your father. So I'm not, I'm not saying that can't happen. And I don't think this verse is either, but I, I, I simply want to point out that when, when, when God decided to represent himself as one who brings comfort to our lives, he used the example of a mother comforting her child. And so my prayer is that my hope would be that all of us would have incredible memories or uh, whether they be from long ago or from yesterday of your mother providing that kind of comfort to you. 
And again, when that's not there, we see that as the, the, the abnormal, the break, the diversion, the, the tragedy. As a mother comforts her child, God says, I will comfort you. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 uh, represents God as the God of all comfort. And it refers to, to the fact that he will comfort us in our affliction when we're going through difficult times and we need just to fall into the arms of someone in the same way that a child will fall into the arms of their mother and feel such uh, warmth, feel such love, feel such comfort, so we can fall into the arms of God himself. He is the gentle and comfort, gentle and comforting one, the supportive one the one who welcomes us into their life. You know, that's a, another incredible trait of, of my own mom that I experienced personally. I come from a big family. Many of you know that I'm the fifth of seven kids. There's uh, lots of kid, people in the next generation and the generation after that. So when, uh, when the riddle get togethers happen, at least the way they happened before, who knows what they look like now, uh, post COVID, but before they would be, they would be loud, rowdy, uh, wonderful cacophonous events. Uh, but when my mom was still alive, you, you, you would see her over maybe in the corner uh, and there would be one or a couple of people gathered around her. And in the midst of all of that stuff that was going on, you talk to anyone in my family, whether it's one of her kids, one of her, one of her daughters-in-law or sons-in-law or a grandchild or a great-grandchild, when you were speaking with her, it was as if there was, you were the most important person in the world. And so it wasn't like she was being distracted by everything else that was going on. She was completely focused on you because she was there providing such a gentle and supportive and comforting presence in your life. She wanted you to know that, that she was there for you in that way. And again, in that same way, we can look to God as a God of all comfort for us, the one who comforts us in all of our affliction. Well, hey, those uh, first three characteristics of God that are on display in the life of moms, um, they're pretty cool. <laughs> I love talking about them and, and they're super positive, right? Uh, this next character trait takes a little bit of a different twist. It is that uh, our God, he is uh, ferocious and intense. And to see that, uh, we wanna look in the book of Hosea chapter 13. And the subheading for that chapter actually is the Lord's anger against Israel. And God uh, speaks through the prophet uh, Hosea to Israel and says this beginning in verse four. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall acknowledge no God but me, no savior except me. I cared for you in the desert in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. God is going to show us then what it's like, what, is, what the experience is like for those who forget about him, who are proud, who reject him, who don't acknowledge him. His anger against Israel for their rejection of him as the one true God as their savior, as their provider. Their experience, God says, you want, you want to know what it's like? Well, he keeps the, 
the illustration maternal, uh, but he moves it to the animal kingdom. And he says in verse 8 through Hosea, I will encounter them like a bear robbed of her cubs, and I will tear open their chests. God says, you, you want to know what it's like to not be an object of my loving care and provision and instead be an object of my wrath and fury? Well, have you ever seen a mama bear react when somebody messes with her kids? That's kind of like what my reaction will be. That's what they're going to experience from me. Not the love and provision and care and comfort not the grace and mercy, but his wrath and fury. That's super difficult to hear. It's not easy to share. But I believe it's reality. And I believe it's just as true as everything else I shared up until then, up until now. I pray that none of us would experience that wrath and mercy that is reserved for those who reject God. It is his desire, scripture says it's his will that, that none of us should perish. That's why he gave us his only son as a savior. And so we land this morning on the fact that God, the life-giving, loving, providing, gentle and comforting God who is all at the same time, has the capacity to be ferocious and intense, is ultimately compassionate and invested. He reaches out to us with his love and mercy that we might be saved in and through him. His own son, when he was on earth in, in Luke chapter 13, he uses a, a, mater, a maternal metaphor also from the animal kingdom when he says about Jerusalem, as he, as he saw them and as he realized that they were rejecting him, he, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. He had compassion for them. He died for them and for all of us so that we would not experience the fury and wrath of God. In fact, the fury and wrath, that ferocious intensity, that mama bear level intensity of wrath was poured out not on us, but it was poured out on Jesus. He took the wrath of God so that we would not have to receive it. And if we receive that by faith, then we don't have to experience it. And instead we, we experience God as that life giver, as that loving provider, as that gentle comforter. And God is compassionate and invested to reach out into the us, the human race, so that we might have life, not death in him, so that we might receive mercy and not wrath, so that we might have grace and not his fury. Because he is a compassionate one. Jesus, when he saw the crowds while he was on earth, the people who were there and he was experiencing the people and all of the, the different issues and struggles that they were having. It says in, in Matthew chapter nine that when he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were weary and worn out like sheep without a shepherd. 
He recognizes, God sees us in our weariness. He sees us in our brokenness. And he simply asks for us to humble ourselves and believe. He is compassionate in giving us his son and he is invested. He gave us his one and only son because God is seeking after us. He's coming after us. In Luke chapter 15, um, Luke records uh, the story of Jesus, uh, of Jesus telling three parables. Uh, the parable of a lost uh, sheep, the parable of a lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. And in the parable of the lost, uh, lost coin, there's a woman who loses one of ten silver coins that she has. And Jesus says that she, she uh, lights a lamp and she sweeps and sweeps and she searches carefully in, in her house until she finds that tenth coin. And when she finds it, she rejoices because, yeah, she had nine, but she had lost that, that, that tenth one and she wanted that as well. And God says it's that image of a woman sweeping her house clean until she finds that lost coin. That's the, the kind of pursuit that God has for us. And in fact, the same way it, that she rejoices when she found that coin, so too heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. God is compassionate and invested. He longs to be in relationship with each of us. He truly wants us to experience him as life giver. He desires for us to experience him as our loving provider. He desperately wants us to know him as the gentle and comforting one. It wouldn't be his desire for you to experience his ferocity, his intensity. And so, out of his compassion, because of his love, with deep investment, he reaches into the lives of each of us and offers us new life in his son, if we believe. My prayer for each of us who are watching today is that we would understand that and that we would receive that. And that even as we see these different things lived out uh, in our world, as we observe moms, as we observe human moms and even some moms in the, in the animal kingdom, that we might come to know God as he really is and receive him as the savior of our souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us this gift of a picture of yourself and using uh, moms to help us to see you, to know you. I pray right now, God, that each one who is listening today would, would um, be in a place of receiving that loving provision, that, that gentle care, that, that uh, life that they have experienced life in and through you. We thank you for being the compassionate and invested one, God, who comes after us. And we pray, God, that I pray personally for each one that's listening right now, that they would not, that their destiny would not be as one uh, to experience your fury or wrath, but instead your mercy and grace. 
Thank you, God, for the opportunity to see you through these uh, different examples in, in, in Scripture. And we pray, God, that it would have led us uh, to know you more deeply, to receive you more fully. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. i
Man, it's super appropriate that we wrap up today's service with a song about the cross because it was there that God's love for humanity was put fully on display as he poured out his wrath, not on us, but on his son, that we might have life in his death. And that very thing is uh, something we pray that you have received and that you are walking in. And we'd love to talk with you more about it. Uh, there's actually a new way to do that beginning today. In the chat feature of the uh, stream that you're watching, there should be clickable links that are dropping in right now. And if you click on that link, it'll take you out to a conversation with uh, a Calvary staff person. And we'd love to maybe help answer some questions, to interact with you, to provide hopefully some spiritual guidance and, or anything else that you might uh, need from us. And so take advantage of that if you'd like. We'd love to, to again, to interact with you in that way. And to all of you who have watched today, thanks so much uh, for joining us. We look forward to seeing you again soon. And again, last word to all the moms who are out there. We wish you a wonderful and happy Mother's Day. God bless you.